Hey, everybody. This is Hal from We Got This with Mark and Hal. Thank you for downloading episode 180. That is what this is. And if you want 180 ways to help us, don't even worry about it. Just do one. Go to Apple Podcasts right now. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let other people know why you love the show so they can fall in love with it too. And it gets us closer to merch for you, something you can wear on your back. But for now, wear this no, in your ears. No, no. You know what, Hal? What? You know what? No. Don't do that stuff. Don't give us a five-star rating. Don't get us closer to merch. Don't let the why? world know about this doing? podcast. I'm doing a 180. Oh, no. Enjoy this episode. Not, no, that's not what we're doing here. Wait, what? Enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best late night talk show host. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Tonight on the couch, it's Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi. Hey, buddy. I really hey. wish there was like, um, you know, a big band playing right there. Perfect. Uh, let's talk late night talk show hosts. I, I didn't even bother asking how you are. I just jumped right in. How are you? I'm doing fine. We spoke a couple days ago, so at we this did. point, I have no new news for you. Yeah, I, my nothing. Life... Nothing is new. No progression. I'll, I'll tell you what. I spent the my whole evening doing. Um, leaving the exact same voicemail, uh, for, uh, dozens of, uh, dozens of potential voters. That's all oh. I'm going to say. We don't do politics on the show. Uh, but I've, I left the same voicemail over and over and over again. Uh, I made a, a, a ton of calls and I actually only spoke to one person. Were they nice? She was very nice. She was, she, she had already early voted. Oh, so it was like the one person you got through to. Yeah, well, I didn't need to, need to, to get through to. Yeah. So I just told her about my life and listened to her story. You just caught up with one another. Yeah. And now, when is your podcast starting with her? Oh, well, look, I didn't want to tell you this on uh, on the air, but um, we have our own version of We Got This, she and I. Oh, you could have started any. I have like twenty podcasts. None of them are the same. You had to start the same podcast. Yeah, the exact with same else? podcast. Yeah, I know oh. you have like twenty podcasts, Hal. Oh, I feel like one of your sister wives. <laughs> I do make all of you wear the same outfit. <laughs> Open Mike Eagle and I are both dressed in the same frock dress right now. Exactly. Oh he pulls God. it off well. Are you saying I don't pull it off well? You know what? I'm going to pull it off right now. Oh, no. Don't defy me. Whoosh. Oh, man. Yep. Now you now know. Now I'm cold. My, <laughs> you're paying the price. <laughs> I was going to say my authority is empty, but yeah. I let Mother Nature. That's my ultimate. That's my third sister wife. There you go. Um, <laughs> I want that on a bumper sticker. Mother Nature is my third sister wife. <laughs> right next to your truck nuts. Oh, man. Truck nuts. What a, like, maybe it's because I'm getting older because I think that's the dumbest idea. Mm -hmm. But high school me would have thought that is the most brilliant billion dollar idea I have ever heard. It's such great subversive comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I am, I'll tell you this, I am not comfortable where I am. Cause much like our last recording, I am sitting in the closet, um, on the floor because I don't have a proper mic stand. I just have this little, uh, desktop mic, um, that I got for my stay here in Montreal. Uh, mm -hmm. a beautiful city. Um, but, uh, not lousy with mic stand stores. And, no, uh, mic, mic stands are, are illegal there. Oh, really? God. Mm hmm. Thanks, Trudeau. <laughs> I'm trying it out. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, how are you? How have you been in the last couple of days? I've been good. I'm, I'm tired, but that's my tired? fault. I've, you know, I'm just staying up too late. I'm that's too fair. old. We're also recording about- this at three o'clock in the morning, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm, I have a cigarette that's all ash in between my fingers. I don't even smoke. Now, those are the late night shows, man. Those real late local access ones. Did you ever have a local access show growing up? You know, if we did, I didn't watch it. I, I've seen some other ones and I, I feel like I missed something special. Yeah. We had TV Force 2000 in Knoxville. That was on public, <laughs> on, a, on cable. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, lo- public access? Yeah, public access. Yeah. The one that you could just like rent the studio and go and make yourself a television show. Mm-hmm. Which, does that still exist anywhere? I guess it's just YouTube now. No, it still exists. You can still, there's still local and public access. Public uh, access available. is a brilliant idea. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, was it LA or, uh, New York that had, uh, the, uh, the Wally George show? Did you ever watch that? Wasn't that out here? Isn't that Rebecca think, De Mornay's father? Yeah, that's right. That's Rebecca De Mornay's dad. He was, and they used to play reruns of it, uh, in mm-hmm. Chicago. They played them in the middle of the night, like one in the morning. Uh, this was a total super jingoistic right wing. Uh, he had two posters behind him. One was of Reagan and one was of a space shuttle. And then he had an American flag in the background. And he had this long blonde hair that kind of looked like Prince Valium from, uh, Spaceballs. <laughs> but he was wearing a suit. Shout out to Jim J. Bullock. Um, he looked like uh, if He-Man was an accountant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk other uh, garbage late night talk shows uh, until we get to the really good ones. Okay. And this this was suggested, by the way, by Brandon. Via What's email, up, Brandon? So thank you. Thank I you, Brandon. This took a while to get to, but I, it'll, it's already well worth it with all of our stories of public access television. Oh, sure. Well, you don't have any. You haven't, you just said that you, you, you wished you had had it and missed the boat on it. That's not a story. That's a lament, Hal. <laughs> that's right. I had less than a story. So I'm going already- to tell you that story of that treasure trunk that I found. Well, I never <laughs> found one. <laughs> Here, everybody gather around, and here's the tale of the time I thought about riding a motorcycle. <laughs> you never been on a motorcycle? Oh, Hal. Oh, we got to go on a motorcycle. Oh, you have? I've been on a motorcycle enough to know I don't want to ride a motorcycle unless mm-hmm. I'm driving a motorcycle. Oh, sure, sure. Although I would sit in a sidecar. Of course you would. Like a little Robin. Mm-hmm. Not the bird, the sidekick. Both. Okay. Um, so let's go over some of the ones that are not going to be our winner for best, uh, man, I gotta say, sitting on this floor in here, jeans were a bad idea. (laughs) You might hear me just moving around a lot. I apologize for all the movement noise. Um, that's, that's me sitting in jeans. Uh, that are not terribly comfortable. I should have just done this episode pantsless. Let's get back to the episode. Sorry. Um, (laughs) let's talk about some that aren't going to win, specifically the Chevy Chase show and the magic hour. Boy, I'll tell you that the Chevy Chase show was almost, it was so short. Mm -hmm. This is my only memory of it. I do remember it was hugely hyped. This Mm -hmm. was Fox taking a gigantic gamble to get into late night television. Right. Magic hour was Fox as well. Well, Yes, but this was five years later. later. They'd already been burned at this point. (laughs) When they came back and were like, not Chevy Chase, Magic Johnson, that was the way to go. But yeah. the Chevy Chase show, the first episode, he had Goldie Hawn on as a guest, his his co-star from Foul Play. Sure. And I assume a close friend of him. You know, that was part of the, the draw, I'm sure. Chevy Chase was a star at the then time. he was but buddies also, of everybody. Exactly. So uh she sang a song to him while he like sort of looked at her. But the way he was looking at her lovingly was really making it all about him. And it felt so icky because I think, <laughs> I, I think part of what makes a, a good talk show host uh-huh. is the show, you can't do the show without them, but the show is not about them. Right. Well, the first half hour is the, uh, the, the monologue is, I right, guess no, it's about the topics. 
Right. When your guest is on, it should be about your guest and Absolutely. creating an interesting, compelling segment of television, which that like, – I watched that. I was like, How, what is this? I was 16 years old and I knew it was bad. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, the, the magic hour. Was it any better? The, uh, <laughs> poor magic. Uh, yeah, poor magic. He, uh, magic is a, magic has overcome a lot in his he career. He's an he's epic legend. Mistakes. He's made mistakes. He's a, he was an amazing basketball player. Uh, most of LA is mad at him right now for being party to that, uh, Dodgers deal that eliminated 70% of the LA Dodgers viewing audience. Right. So I'm not a, I'm a, as a basketball player, I'm a big Magic Johnson fan. Uh, more recent version of Magic Johnson, I'm not a fan. No, well, he's you know he's a very good businessman in terms of making sure. money, and that comes at a at a cost. But one thing he is terrible at <laughs> is hosting a talk show. Yes, he just never seemed that comfortable. He, it takes a certain gift to be a talk show host, and part of that is charisma, but the other part is a gift of the gab that he just doesn't have in right. that way. And there's also a, a joy that you have to have to do it, which is why Zach Galifianakis' show uh, did not do well for the few weeks that it was on. Right. Uh, the show that he just looked in the camera and said, I hate doing this. <laughs> um, we also have Joan Rivers, who uh, who had famously her late night show also, also I believe, on Fox. Yes, was this it? is earlier. This was this. Had, boy, Fox had a run, didn't they? Well, they, they were some... ba- they were barely a network for a very long time. Yeah, um, but then they had a big hit with Arsenio Hall. Yes, yes, Arsenio they did. Wait, Hall can show. We talk. Let's talk about Joan Rivers for a second. Sure, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to just gloss over her because she was sort of an heir apparent to the Tonight Show. Yes, and was a a. She's fantastically entertaining. Checks that box. Sure, funny. Uh, first woman host of Late Night. So, exactly. a big, a big shattering of the glass ceiling. Unfortunately, uh, her show just was not very good and did not do well. And it, uh, made Johnny Carson hate her. And that's more on Johnny Carson as a sure. person than yeah. on her. Of course. Um, the sad tale of Joan Rivers' late night show. Yes. Um, so now that I didn't mean to gloss over, uh, I didn't mean to gloss over. I just wanted to hit a bunch of these sure. early on because I know we're not going to, we're, we're these are the, the, this is the C group. Okay. Sure. We're going to have a C group, a B group and an A group. Okay. I think, uh, the other, uh, some others in the, the C group thick of the night, of course, with <laughs> Alan thick from 1983 to 1984. Yep, not his um, calling. No, no. Uh, yeah, the Lopez tonight is in the C group, just kind of an mm-hmm. unmemorable two year run. I enjoyed this one, but it didn't do terribly well. The nightly show with Larry Wil- with Larry Wilmore. Sure, he's brilliant. Um, a brilliant. He's a brilliant, comedian. brilliant comic mind. I just think the show was uh, it didn't work. His panel never seemed to gel. It just always seemed to me like a bunch of comedians. Uh, each trying to stick jokes in. You know what I mean? Right, but isn't that also sort of uh, like real time and um, and Chelsea Chelsea yeah. uh, late uh, Chelsea lately uh, w- was more like that than her current show is way more of a talk show, right. like a one on one, which she had talk show segments. But the roundtable with the comedians, which had uh, some of our friends on it and had funny mm-hmm. stuff, it's more like a linearama. Then yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if that makes somebody a good host themselves as much as, hey, here's a really cool thing you're doing, facilitating other comedians getting airtime, right? Um, and if you want to, we'll, we will get to the greatest of all time at facilitating other comedians getting airtime. He will probably be one of our top two uh, that we will be discussing. Um, I don't want to spoil who it is, but boy, did he make a lot of comedy careers. Do you feel um, like you already have a top two in your mind? Yeah, of course. So I think I. there. I think there's an obvious top two. Are your two, top two? Is one of them Rick Dees from Into the Night with Rick Dees on ABC? Yeah, of course it is. Sure. Yeah. Why is yours not? 
No, I because uh, here's the amazing thing about Rick Dees. How do you follow up Disco Duck? <laughs> huge, huge hit for him. Uh, the answer is you're a DJ in L.A. for a very long time. Uh-huh. He may still be doing it. I'm not sure. And then you get a a talk show that is not good at all, and somehow it lasts through from 1990 until 1991. He lasted longer on the air than Chevy Chase did. That's insane. Um, Rick D's also, if you look at Rick D's now, looks like he's wearing a Rick D's mask. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, now here's a cool one. Here's a cool one that I think, uh, is the bridge between the C group and the B group. Okay. I, I think we can move from the C group to the B group. Not because, okay. not because it wasn't, um, it, it was a bad show. It was just, it, it, it didn't run terribly long and it's not terribly remembered. Um, terribly well remembered anymore. Uh, but he was a great host is the tomorrow show with Tom Snyder and, uh, who had his late, late show. Uh, he had a mm-hmm. brief run on the late, late show. Yes. Uh, and I always, I always thought Tom Snyder was kind of just a cool subdued dude. Yeah. But- he, he would sit there with huge teeth, smoke mm-hmm. a cigarette, laugh yeah. at himself. Yeah. Um, which always seemed to me to make him cool, but just kind of boring. You know, the, I feel like the thing I remember the most about him, and I did watch him. I, you know, I I like seeing a well done interview, mm-hmm. uh, and I, he he doesn't really have the comedy to do it. But Dan Aykroyd's impression of him on SNL always made me oh, laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, which is why a lot of people remember who he is now, not from watching old reruns of the tomorrow show, but from watching old episodes of SNL. Exactly. <laughs> he lives. Um, on. so let's move into, before we get to the real Mount Rushmore of late night hosts, uh, let's talk about a few others. And I, this guy might be on the Mount Rushmore, honestly. Um, one, one of the greats of all time. Uh, of the same era as Tom Snyder. Let's talk about Dick Cavett. Yeah, Dick Cavett is a fantastic interview. I, th- I think what keeps him, what would keep him out of contention for the top person is that the, the overall show he presented was not a comedy show, although he is a, a supreme wit. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, it always did feel like an Algonquin. I say always felt like, like I was up watching the Dick Cavett show in 1970. But from, you know, from all of the, we've researched this episode, uh, a bit and, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've watched a lot of clips and over the years I've watched a lot of Dick Cavett clips and, um, and we actually got to work with Dick Cavett once. We did, uh, uh, was it Thrilling Adventure Hour or Welcome to Night Vale? It was or Thrilling was it Adventure Hour. At thrilling Town Adventure Hall. Hour at Town yeah. Hall in New York. That's right. And, um, and he's, He's a legend for a reason. He's a very smart guy. I, and he felt like if all of the others were, if all of the other, uh, talk shows were FM radio, Dick Cavett is NPR. You know what I mean? Yes. He's the one that talks to authors and journalists and poets and, and celebrities and politicians like they all do. But his, his, uh, it wasn't a particularly funny show. No, I think that, that lack of an over of, of, there's just a component missing from his shows, but that's more who he was at that time, you know, mm-hmm. in the, in the time that he was working in the type of show that he was doing. Which is great. And it's a much needed thing. I just yes. don't think that his, his brand of show is what we are talking about. I don't think that's a question that Brandon was asking about the late night host. No, let me ask you a question here. Sure, please. I'm looking at, Full Frontal with Samantha B. I'm uh-huh. looking at um The Daily Show. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. All of them brilliant shows. And even uh The Break with Michelle uh with Michelle Wolf. Yes. These are shows that are less talk shows to me than more more they're more like news shows. They're late night programming, but I don't consider mm-hmm. these people talk show hosts. Yeah, I would, uh, I, you know what? I do. I, I consider, no, I, I, I think that three of the four I would not consider in this category because three of the four are weekly shows, uh, that present a strong point of view and a hilarious point of view. And that is not to say I'm not a huge fan of 
all of these people and their shows. Mm-hmm. I sure. I never miss an episode of John Oliver. I love Michelle Wolf. I've loved her since The Daily Show. And I went to a taping of Samantha B when Ken and I were in New York and we had a great time. Uh I love all of them. They all came out of the same incubator, which is The Daily Show. The yes. Daily Show maybe because it is uh there is a a talk show element to it and um it is a different show than the rest of these shows are. But if if the uh, if the question is who's the best host, I have to put John Stewart up there on the top, along with no, uh, up on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, no, no question. And remember, this is somebody who had two failed talk shows, right? Outside, he had the show on CBS, I think, and then I, I remember his MTV show. Sure. Uh, well, he was talking about things he didn't show. give a crap about. Exactly. And the the thing I remember the most about his MTV talk show was him having the cast of the State on when uh-huh. they were uh, premiering, and they. He he did a thing with him uh, where they were like children, so they were raising their hand to ask him questions. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, can we destroy your set? And he said, sure. And then they took <laughs> hammers and they they completely demolished the set of his show. <laughs> and it was fantastic. How deep into the run was this? Was it the series finale? It might have been the series finale. It was certainly a season finale. Fair enough. I should hope so, because uh if the guys are like, hey, man, this is a nightly talk show. Uh What do you think we're doing here? Uh We got to do this again tomorrow, which means we got to fix all of this by five. <laughs> you, there's something about Jon Stewart that he's always been a very funny guy, and he's been adept and, and adroit at the things that have been given to him, the opportunities mm-hmm. he's had. But until the day, like the Daily Show was just the perfect fit for him. Yeah. And, and I, the Daily Show was a show I never missed. Do you have talks? Do you, is there a talk show that you don't miss or a late night show that you don't miss? No, but there is also not a late night show that I will not watch. Okay. I like that. Um, I, I don't watch a ton of them. I've watched them over the years. I don't, uh, normally tune in. Like I'm not a guy that turns on the Tonight Show. Or turns on the late show just like, oh, I'll just turn this on as I'm going to bed, which I know is kind of what they're for. I mean, Jay Leno uh, on The Tonight Show, his whole thing was like, well, I'm just going to gently lull you to sleep with a few timid jokes and, uh, and a congenial conversation. Right. Um, but uh, but I, so I, I always loved, it was always for me, The Daily Show and The Colbert Rapport every night. Uh, or four nights a week. Sure. Um, and, uh, let, while we're on it, I think this is a good way to move into, now that we're in sort of this B section, um, we've got the, there are a lot of hosts in late night who are not on that Mount Rushmore who are worth mentioning right now. And I think that Colbert is one of them. I don't think that what he's doing now is as epic as what he was doing on the Colbert report. I thought that was the perfect use of him and his voice. Uh, was through that character, but I still have a lot of fun watching him on, um, on the late show on CBS. I think he's a great host. I think that, um, Conan O'Brien, his show on TBS is great. He's been great since the beginning, uh, and since the big fight that he graciously dealt with, uh, with Jay Leno. Jay Leno's been a part of two late night fights. What is up, man? You know, he's, uh, controversy follows him wherever he goes. And, yeah. and as good as he is as a stand up, as, as, is as vanilla as he is to me as a talk show host, I, there's yeah. nothing remarkable about him. I think Cole, I think Colbert has entered another season of his career uh-huh. where it took him a little while to, to like kind of find his footing. Honestly, the politics of the day have helped him tremendously to find a new voice because oh, yeah. what he was doing. Uh, before the Colbert Report shtick, I don't think would work as well now, because it's too people are are so sensitive and so stressed out by all things political mm-hmm. that it would just make things worse. So yeah. I think he now you get a more genuine version of of how he feels, and he's a fantastic uh, interviewer. Oh he's yeah, very smart. He's able to have a conversation. That's the thing. Him. I think he's he's just so suave and smart, and he can talk about anything. Yeah, I think I think the reason why I wouldn't put him on a Mount Rushmore is he just hasn't had enough time in this role yet. And Colbert right. Report for me was a shtick more than it was – t- like even the interview segments, 
he never broke the character that he was playing. And it was so right. strongly a character that I wouldn't count that for a late night talk show host. It's right. just another to me it's another dimension. And also on this on this list, I think uh we've got uh Corden and Kimmel who are having a great time and having a lot of fun and doing interest and, and Fallon as well. They're I they're just not on the Mount Rushmore. They're they're not up there yet to me. Um you maybe know, one me, day they will find that. But a lot of it is this um a, a lot of it is just I'm going to, they've gotten away from doing talk show things and they're doing just sort of fun bits and sketches and they're great comedians and they're affable people. But I think as, as a talk show goes, they're not as clearly defined as some of the Mount Rushmore voices. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Fallon, Fallon is good. I, I think Kimmel's a little better than he's getting credit for here. <laughs> if you look yeah. at how he's progressed from where he was to where he is. And that's it's true. Night and day. I don't mean to. I don't mean to just lump them all together. I just know that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Kimmel has been doing great things. Um. The way that his, his the fact that he will be so heartfelt and open about things. Um. In his real life. Uh. And plus, his feud with Matt Damon is hilarious. Yeah. And and Conan also. I feel like you're putting Conan into this B group. He's been doing it for 25 years. I did not mean to, I did not mean to, I, I realized as I was saying it, I was like, no, I, I, I think Conan needs to, Conan needs a little more, a little more love. I'll tell, I'll tell you who I will uh, put in the B group uh, go ahead. before, before you go. I sounded like you were about to do the commercial thing. Cause you went, I'll tell you what. Um, no, I wasn't, but go ahead. Oh, that's hilarious. That's always, I'll tell you what, let's do this. And then we're going to do this. <laughs> That's the Hal Loveland uh, throw. I also what don't want to give short shrift to Arsenio Hall. That's um, what I was going to say. Really? Yes. Great. Arsenio Hall I would put in in this B group, not because uh, – I mean his show only ran for five years. But come on. The guy was the first major black late night host. And he had the the – like to get an audience to all do something besides just applaud and cheer to have – Basically your own, uh, I don't want to, it's a hand gesture. So I, I, I'm reluctant to describe it because it's like, you know, uh, it's like dissecting comedy, which I guess is what we're doing, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, but, uh, Arsenio, he made Bill Clinton cool. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like Arsenio was a great host. He was a lot of fun. He was a, a great middling host. Moved up on the ladder by nature of the barrier that he shattered, I think. Well, and also he made late night talk shows cool. Carson was funny and well known and, and a staple of culture, but he wasn't cool. And neither was, and Letterman was weird and mm -hmm. off the wall and doing quirky stuff, but he wasn't. I guess I've always cool. just thought that weird was cool. What, uh, me I'm too. like, oh, that, that dorky guy from Indiana, he's cool, right? Uh, totally, and Arsenio's totally. like, no, Bozo, he's not cool. Yeah, this he is what cool is. Cool to late night and made it okay for it to be cool and reached an audience that wasn't being spoken to mm -hmm. particularly well and still is is being underserved. Um, agreed. And who is? I don't know. I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know who are who the black late night audience goes to now. Is there a, is there How would a, you know? I don't. Are you embarrassed because you don't have a report sent to your home in Montreal? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I should, I feel like as a person in, in this job, I feel like I should know who all the, the comedy people are, you know? Right, 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 um, right. But that's, I, I, I don't know, so. Do you remember the Chris Rock show? Yeah, I liked the Chris Rock show. I mean, Chris Rock's, I don't know how he was as a, uh, I don't remember him as a, a host terribly well. I just remember him being, or I know him to be uh, the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedians. Right. Yeah. To he me. Could, he could certainly make a, a Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedians. His talk show was good. It had a lot of very funny bits. Obviously, mm -hmm. Pootie Tang came out of there. Oh, right. And that was sort of the big uh, breakout piece from that show. Um, but he was good. Dennis Miller also. I was a big fan of Dennis Miller on SNL. This is before he sort of went off the reservation 17 yeah. years ago. Um and his talk show wasn't great. The only part I liked 
uh, was that I got to see the Spin Doctors for the first time and, and hear them perform live. <laughs> this is in L.A. in 1991, 92. And also and you loved his super brainy analogies. Exactly. I was like, I like, feel so I'm, smart. I have no idea what that means. Oh, I felt like an idiot. Because he would bring up people who'd be like, this is just like this, right? And I'm like, I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> Let's say yes. It's like Alexandra Dumas and Coco Chanel at a baby on a hibachi, right, babe? <laughs> well, thanks for putting that image in my head. No problem. But yeah. he, he had some interesting conversations back in the day with comedians who would come on mm-hmm. the show. But I, I wouldn't put him I, – I don't even know if he makes the B group, frankly. Fair enough. No, definitely not Dennis Miller of the last several years. Yeah. But even back um, then, it just wasn't his – I didn't feel like his, the medium f- for him. What about um, thinking of know. the – thinking about the late night um, live HBO shows that Dennis Miller had, what about Bill Maher? Can't stand him. Really? I think he's so smug yeah. and self-important that it it clouds – even if I agree with what he's saying, mm-hmm. I just want him to stop talking. And <laughs> – he feels like a bully. And yeah, I can see a not that. Good person, and that bothers me immensely. All right. I've all, I always liked Politically Incorrect. I had a great time watching Politically Incorrect, but that may have been because I loved the comedians that came on it, and it was less about Bill Maher. I like Bill Maher. I liked him back then. I think he's gotten a bit, um, a bit caustic. Um. I think the episode he did right before this last election, his monologue, I will never forget, uh, what he did in that monologue. Um, and that, I, that was, it, so there are sort of landmark moments. Um, and I think he got a raw deal from ABC, uh, with politically incorrect. There was a, an onion article years ago that was about him condescendingly talking about politics to a prostitute. <laughs> that to me perfectly summarizes what my opinion of him is. Yeah. He also has a, he used to come in the standard all the time and was very nice. So well, good. Look, I'm so, glad he's a good person. I, yeah. I don't care. He also has a, I don't connect he, with him. That's fair. He has a ginormous head. I have nowhere to talk <laughs> because I have a huge head, but he also has a teeny little body and I have a slightly larger body than his. Um, is this your head gigantic- big? Yeah, man. I wear a seven and three quarters hat. I have trouble finding I have trouble finding an XL hat that fits. Wow. Most hats great. that are labeled XL are too small for me. That's insane. You have a huge head. You never noticed that I have a Oh, that's good then, I guess. Cuz your you. hair is always kind of poofy, like you have thick hair, <laughs> so I just assume your hair is is on there like a chia pet. You could uh, be a pinhead and I wouldn't know. Uh, you know what? I you did you like did you enjoy me on that first season of American Horror Story? Yes, and I loved you in Todd Browning's Freaks. Oh man, we accept her. We accept her. One of us. <laughs> uh, now we're doing Dennis Miller level uh, um, references. <laughs> it's like Todd Browning's on American Horror Story. Um. All right. So why don't we do this? Do you know what I'm going to say? Arsenio Hall's underrated. Why don't we take a little break, and when we come back. We will talk about the contenders. Where I, I, you know what? I, I feel terrible about Conan earlier. I'm moving Conan. <laughs> he's not going to win. I don't think he's going to win. I think he's going to be on the. I think he's going to be a late addition chisel onto Mount Rushmore. But okay, I still want to put him in the A group. I like I like Conan. I and I think he's great. And we've hell we've had his sideman on this very show. Yes, his partner. Um, please, his partner. Yes, his partner. Um. All right, let's let's take a break and we'll come right back. All right. Kardashians. Michael Cohen. Hashtags. Clickbait. Memes. Oh. <laughs> Debunking. Rebunking. <laughs> Regular sized bunking. Bodie McBoatface. Do any of these words make sense to you? then maybe Trends Like These is the podcast you should be listening to. We put an episode every week on MaximumFun.org. Hosted by me, Travis McElroy. And me, Courtney Enlow. And me, Brent Black. 
trends like these on MaximumFun.org. Because with trends like these, who needs any memes? Ah? Uh? Ah? Uh? <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. We are a Simpsons podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, and we've got some exciting news. Ooh, tell Ooh. me. We are going to be doing some live podcast shows in some of our favorite cities. We're so excited, and we want to let you guys know out there in the Max Fun universe that we are coming to you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. On Saturday, September 15th, we will be at the North Door in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw. On Saturday, December 1st, we will be at the Alamo Draft house sloan's lake in denver colorado there's no basement in the alamo mm, we'll find out it's friday <laughs> december 7th we are going to be at the vera project in seattle washington oh god uh, nirvana yes okay and saturday december 8th we'll be at mississippi studios in portland oregon hey matt graining lives there yeah i once lived there he he still lives there in our hearts so um make sure that you mark your calendars for those dates and we will be posting the ticketing links on our twitter that is at simpsons pod and we will smell you later. <laughs> and we're back. How about the <laughs> band, everybody? <laughs> You're dumb. You're dumb. Man, I would love to have a late night talk show. We should have a late night talk show. Hey, when you're here, when you're back in town, let's go to uh-huh. a cable uh a cable access place and oh, just go rent man. out Right out of studio for an hour. We'll do a show. We'll have our friends on. Dude, can we do that? Why not? Who's to stop us? I don't know what the rules are for public access cable. Like, anyone can just go on there? Since when do you care about the rules? Man, I always love the rules. (laughs) My favorite TV show ever was Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Fair enough. Yeah. You like eight rules. Yeah. Rules of the game? Like any movie with rules. Yeah. Cider house rules? Yeah. Those are your favorite rules for sure. Yeah. That movie should have an exclamation point at the end, just completely changing the meaning of the word rules. Then it becomes a B-52 song. Yeah. The cider Cider house rules. Rules. (laughs) We went and got some cider. Going down to the cider house. It rolls. <laughs> um, all right. Before we move to, before we move to who are obvious, uh, our obvious, um, contenders for this title are, I want to mm-hmm. talk about the, uh, the early years of the tonight show. Sure. Um, because uh, the early years of tonight, the tonight show saw two very influential, uh, voices. Uh, in, in the, in the early years of that show that I don't think are, they're, they're not going to be the greatest of all time, but they, uh, they're definitely worth a mention. And that is Steve Allen, who started the show in 1954, mm-hmm. ran through 1957, and who was the namesake of a theater in Los Angeles until very recently, the Steve Allen Theater. Um, and Jack Parr, who was on it from 1957 to 1962. Uh, Steve Allen specifically because he came up with this format. Let's talk about Steve Allen first. This format sure. was Steve Allen's format. The come out, do a monologue, have a band. Did they have a band? Come out, do a monologue, sit down, do a couple of bits, and then have, uh, and then have guests. Uh, that was, you can't understate the influence of what that was. Right. Would someone else have come up with the same thing? There's no way to know. Yeah. Steve Allen was also um kind of a square, so these are points against him. Kind of a square, hated rock and roll, and uh w- was also part of the family uh the family TV council or whatever it was in later years, right. uh railing against indecency on television. Didn't age well. Did not age well. In that well. way. No. In that way. But Steve Allen was the, uh, the, the one who came up with the entire format of what a talk show was. So shout out to Steve Allen for that. Jack Parr was the crazy one. I kind of love Jack Parr. Right. Uh, 57 to 62, Jack Parr was the host of the Tonight Show. Uh, at one point he famously just, 
uh, walked off stage, just quit and made his announcer do the rest of the episode. Uh, he would just do crazy. He would get combative. Uh, he was called a lunatic by other late night talk show hosts, uh, in later years who were like, Oh yeah, Jack Parr back in the day. That dude was nuts. Uh, <laughs> he was ornery on the show. He'd sit there and smoke and, uh, and get in your face about things. And he was just kind of a cool, loose cannon of a host. Sure. Um, and he also introduced the Beatles to America a month before Ed Sullivan did. In Miami? Uh, no, in, um, uh, played their music, played a clip. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Did not, they had not come to the United States. Right. Um, so just shout out to those, uh, hosts of the tonight show, uh, the early year guys. Can we talk about somebody else we haven't spoken about at all? Who's that? Seth Myers. Seth Myers. I've always liked Seth Myers. I can't believe we missed him. Though it is not a great sign that we just missed him and went, oh yeah. <laughs> and he's also very young into his run. Yeah. But he's, he is like, I put him with like Corden, you know what I mean? And yes, the guys that are young in their, in their tenure, but he's really good. I've always liked him. I know people think that he's just kind of like a smug man child. Uh, if you don't like the smugness of Bill Maher, do you like the sweet smugness of, uh, Seth Myers? Yeah. I don't the pick up smugness. smugness. I don't pick up smugness from him at all. I've heard that complaint and I've read that complaint about him. Sure. Um, I like him. I think he's great. I think he's charming. I think he talks about his funny when he talks about his dogs. Um, he's by all accounts, a sweet guy. Uh, and I loved him as uh, the host of weekend update. Yes. And he's managed to bring what's great about that to this show without exactly mm. doing the same thing. And I like him as an interviewer as well, but he, he doesn't, he hasn't logged the, the flight hours yet. Yeah. To, to qualify for the top spot in my, in my personal opinion. All right. You're really about this, uh, length of tenure thing, aren't you? Well, there's something to that. There's something to doing it well and doing it well for a very long time. Yeah. That unless then an audience are, becomes comfortable with you. Exactly. Listen, if Michael Jordan had been a good player for three years, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have him in the Hall of Fame and we wouldn't really be talking about him as much. That's fair. Who is, uh, who's in the Hall of Fame that uh, you might know this? You would probably know the baseball version. Who's in the Hall of Fame that had the shortest tenure in the majors? Oh, geez. I, that is a good question. I don't know that I have the answer to that. That is what? a very good question. You know everything about baseball. <laughs> which is why we've never done a baseball episode. By the way, I'm terrified to do a baseball episode with you. <laughs> we'll do baseball. We'll do basketball. Great. We'll do uh, Disney World in Florida specifically. Oh. We'll do uh, Broadway musicals of the 90s and 2000s. <laughs> we already did Broadway musicals. I know. I'm just trying to find th- – that's the only thing I know about. <laughs> I'm 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 blowharding much of this episode, Hal. You really are. I'm impressed. Yeah. Thanks, man. Setting a record for blowharding. <laughs> uh, all right. So is that a is that a verb to blowhard? Yeah. All right. Do you remember? I say I say. A good day to blowhard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Blowharder. Blowhard. All right. Um. All right. Let's get back to Conan. <laughs> you need to apologize to him again. I need to apologize to Conan again. Conan, Go ahead. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to lump you in um with I think it was because I was thinking at the time about shows that I was thinking specifically about now. And I don't think that his show on TBS now is uh is the um the what what's the word I'm looking for? Cultural uh, the cultural status has reached the cultural status that his previous work did. Would that sure. be fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, but his previous work, uh, late night and his brief run on the tonight, I don't even consider his brief run on the tonight show. Cause, uh, that whole thing made me so mad. I loved it. I thought it was a really good run. They, no, I thought his run dirty. was great. I mean, the, the getting done dirty, I thought was not. Is the thing that I'm no about. no yeah that was terrible. It was good for TBS to give him a spot and George Lopez yeah. to his credit, who mm-hmm. already had a talk show, was already a comedian with a talk show on that network. Was like, bring him on, let's do it together. I want him here, and that's 
you know, the, the late, the late night landscape used to be cutthroat and now oh, yeah. everybody's friends. Yeah. And there's also a million of them now, it seems. Like every network yes. has two of them. Absolutely. Um, and there's all the, you know, the cable outlets and, and, uh, online even now with Michelle Wolf. Um, but yeah, Conan, uh, Conan, <laughs> the barbarian. Yeah. Conan the O'Brien. Um, uh, Conan O'Brien is just one of those, he was one of those just like silly, he spoke to, I think he spoke to a, an audience that was, uh, that, that moved on to really like move and shake in comedy. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's one of those voices in comedy that you listen to. The guy wrote for the Simpsons. The guy wrote for SNL. He's always seemed to be there when important comedy was happening. And his voice has always been a part of it. And he creates a really good platform for comedians. Yeah. All right. Conan, you're up there. But it's not going to be Conan. There are two that we've waited to talk about. And this is the real battle right here. And the battle is Jay Leno or Jimmy Fountain. No. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Carson or Letterman. Sure. And I know I have my personal choice, uh, and who, uh, who I, I think for me personally is, is I think the absolute greatest of all time. They both changed the game in that Carson changed the game in that he did it for, for so long and he just changed television. He, when you think of television, it's, Johnny Carson. Uh, I read he was the first one that looked at this like this is he thought of being the host of the tonight show as the pinnacle of television and the, all the responsibility that that came with, um, which he was willing to shoulder with grace and ease and simplicity and, uh, a, a, a charming wink of a joke and just a, a genuineness. But damn it. David Letterman changed the game and is so, so, oh man. He made it about people. He made it about regular people. Regular people could be funny. The world could be funny. Stunts, antics, all of that. That's what Letterman did was he made it dangerous. He, I can't overstate the influence of David Letterman to me on comedy. I'm going to tell you right now. That at, yeah. before we started this, we knew we were getting down to two. I yeah. went, I went ahead. I keep a spreadsheet, uh huh, with results of our show, so I can track it. Did you already write that in? Ones. I I already wrote an answer. Now I can delete and change it. Don't say people of the world just yet. I'm not going to say people of the world. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying okay. that I gave an answer. Also. That I think How we're going to presumptuous. I'm. Uh, this is a prediction. This is me uh, doing a magic trick of putting it in an envelope and sealing it up for later. Which, of course, uh, Carson, very well known magician Karnak, as sure. well, all over the Magic Castle in L.A. You can find his uh, drawings and uh, the the sketch of him in the close up gallery. Um, yeah. Look, Johnny Carson is an icon. If you went on his show as a comedian. Just being on the show changed changed your life, but if yeah. he brought you over to the couch after your set, that then you were made. Oh sure. When Letterman went out there for his first time, he said, "Well, uh, you're you're gonna blow up, and I hope you come back." That's. Yeah. I mean, Car- yeah, Carson made comedy. Well, the comedy boom of the 1970s in Los Angeles, uh, when everyone, all of the comedians, moved to L.A. Um. And that was because of Carson. The reason yeah. that there's the reason that the, Johnny Carson is the reason there's a comedy store and an improv and a laugh factory and all of those places opened up as a place for stand up comics to ply their wares because they had all just moved from New York City to L.A. because Johnny Carson was there. Right. Because he had moved from New York to L.A. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He uh, you can't deny his impact. The stuff he did to Joan Rivers, though, the way he shut her out, 
Brutal. And some of the some of the power plays that he made along those lines mm-hmm. uh, make him a difficult figure to look at. Three sixty. Uh, some of the things like the way he treated his wives and his, you know, like his personal stuff is not that Letterman didn't have his personal stuff too. He had to go on, uh, on air and talk about it. A hundred percent. I'm not yeah. saying that Letterman is better or Letterman wins because of this. I'm just mm-hmm. sort of talking it out. Right. You know, so, so why there's so many classic clips from, from Carson. I remember as a kid seeing him do Mr. Rambo's neighborhood. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> but also a lot of the bits that he would do, uh, you know, that he did then to watch them now don't really hold up. Right. They don't. David they don't Letterman stand. putting on an Alka-Seltzer suit and getting dunked in a human tank holds up. Sh- sure. More of, more of Letterman stuff holds up, I would say, than Carson's mm-hmm. does. But the, Carson is the, is the icon. And Letterman is the iconoclast. Yes. Have you That's seen? That's an excellent way of putting it. Have you seen his new show on Netflix? My next guest needs no introduction. Of course, I have. Okay, me too. Yeah. If uh, listeners, people of the world, if you haven't uh, seen this show, go watch this show. His his personal stuff bothered me a lot about him when it came out. Mm-hmm. And certainly, a lot there are a lot of issues like. Him not having any women really staffed on it, like uh, things that he discussed with Tina Fey. But the episode he had with Jay-Z where he talked about the things that he had done felt Mm -hmm. so sincere to me that for me personally, that helped me move past a lot of that with him. I never got that closure from Carson as as a fan or as a viewer. Yeah, there seemed to be a disconnect between Carson and his audience. He's above his audience. Letterman is just a dude from Indiana who is like, hey, everybody, welcome to the party. But but also, Carson is the number one talk show host of all time. Like, there's no question when you think of a talk show host that he is Mm -hmm. the mold, even though he wasn't the one who created the mold. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't even the one who broke the mold. He made the mold important. Yeah. He made that the job that Letterman wanted and the job that Conan was so grateful to have, the job that Leno wouldn't let go of and then came back to and then finally let go of again. Yeah. Uh, I, and I don't I, – if I were to pick from personal preference, I would take Letterman. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Can you topple a juggernaut like that? Wait, the one that you wrote in was Carson? I I'm not saying which one I wrote in. I'm right. just I'm just talking it out with you. I think uh Yeah, I think it's for me and I didn't come into this I came into this knowing it was probably be going to be one of those two. Um for me there's got to be a certain realness to it. Part of it, ha- it has to, there, there has to be some sort of, uh, that, and I know they talk about it in, in politics, like who, who do you want to have a beer with? But that is like part of the job of a talk show is it's a person that you want to have a conversation with. It's someone that you think is cool. You know what I mean? And you want to, and you want to, uh, listen to this chat and see what happens and hear their voice and listen to what they have to say. Um, And it seems for me that it was, I don't know. I like, I I think Carson is this epic icon, Um, but he's also a a flawed man. And of of course, and so is Letterman there. No one we've ever talked about in any episode of this show is not a flawed person. Sure. Uh, Ourselves included. Um, There always just seemed to be something for me. Um, and it's wonderful for television. Uh, slick and Malibu about Johnny Carson. And something real and exciting about David Letterman. And for me, it's, I will take, I will take real and exciting over slick and Malibu. <clears throat> the, the struggle that I have is, as a kid, you dreamed about being on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. 
most people did. You you, you might have dreamed of being like Letterman, mm-hmm. but you wanted to be on Carson's show. Yeah, but this isn't about the show. This is about the host. But, but it was because of what Carson meant and what he built himself into and what he built the sh- that show into. It's very, you know, Steve Allen came up with a very simple but brilliant format that could have disappeared. Mm-hmm. It could have been a trend that went away. The way that the variety show sort of rose and fell from the 60s and the 70s and then by the 80s it was kind of dead, that mm-hmm. idea of a, of a true variety show. Right. This this didn't. This persevered because of him. And it became a staple of he he was the thing that every other network was trying to emulate and create. They needed their Tonight Show. To the point that the only person who could really compete with the Tonight Show once he was gone was the guy that he sort of groomed. You know, Letterman got his ratings from Carson. Oh yeah, of initially. Course. Not that he didn't build his mm-hmm. own audience, but that was a big deal to be part of a block with him. Um, yes, and was, and was given the and, chance to get an audience. It's not fair. I, you know, it's not like he was the highest rated show when he came out. He had to struggle just as most people in that time slot would have to struggle. Right, but precedent doesn't necessarily. The, the, the crafting of the job doesn't necessarily mean you've excelled at it better than anyone else. You look at Carson went off the air in what, 90, 93, uh, 93, 93, so, 92. Yeah. So the, maybe it's that, maybe it's that I only remember Carson from when I was a kid, but my entire adult life, Letterman has been around and doing interesting things and has, uh, grown and evolved and changed into what he is now, which is a, you know, skinny Santa Claus doing, uh, my guest needs no introduction in a, uh, somewhat more somber tone. Um, but yeah, maybe, and again, maybe that's just, maybe this is a, a personal preference thing. And yes, Johnny Carson. But remember when we did our president's episode, it wasn't George Washington that won and George Washington set every precedent. Um, it was FDR that won, uh, because he was the best at it. I think that, uh, I think that the humanity that, uh, David Letterman has brought to the game, uh, it, and, and, and this is very, the, the tips it ever so slightly for me into Letterman's column. Yes, Johnny Carson is the all time icon. There is a statue in the Emmy courtyard in North Hollywood of, uh, Johnny Carson. There is not a statue of David Letterman. Right. Um, let, let what he did, you. what he did for television was iconic. But the question was, who is the best host? And for me, it's Letterman. Let, now let Letterman would answer, Letterman would say that it was Carson. Yeah, of course. Of course he yeah. would. I have a very important question for you. Okay. Are you, do you think in your heart of hearts, if you really search your soul, mm-hmm. that you believe that Letterman is the best or is he your favorite and you're just trying to make excuses of why he should beat Carson. Honestly. I think in my heart of hearts, I think that David Letterman is the best. Well, that's what I wrote down. So people of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this sorry. Wait, wait. Let me do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all let the wind whistle through the gaps in our front teeth. Oh, man. And and this one's for you, Larry Bud Melman. Because the greatest talk show host of all time, and and by the way, if you haven't seen his new Netflix series, it is a he is a great interviewer. It, it lets you see him uh, interview people in in longer than a five to ten minute segment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, got to go. Yeah, we're we're going with the punk and the rebel, and that is David Letterman. He's the greatest talk show host, late night talk show host of all time, asked and answered. You knew the whole time, you son of a gun. I had to make sure that that you were going into this with a clear mind and a clear heart and not letting oh, yeah. favoritism. Because that helped me realize where I was with it. Like, all right, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, but uh, thank you to Brandon for yes. this topic. This was a lot of fun. 
But we, we have a lot of others to solve, and a lot of them we don't even know about yet. The only way we're going to find out is if you tell us about them. You can email us at wegotthispodcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wegotthispodcast or – or you can check out the Maximum Fun subreddit, or you can tweet us at We Got This Tweets. Thanks, as always, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, who put together an exhaustive list for this. Great job, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thank you, as always, to you, our listeners. Ah, man. This is, this is uh, such a fun time. This is such a fun, uh, topic to discuss. This is obviously something that we are all passionate about. Um, if you were all in a studio audience right now at our talk show that we're going to do on public access, I would say, look under your seats because everyone got a free pizza. I don't know. We don't have a lot of money for a lot of other stuff, but you got a pizza, right? That's good. Um, thank you for giving us this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.